0: Welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride.
1: Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number... What the hell are we up to? 123? Yes, 123. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary back with another episode. We have a ton to get into today. I'm excited about this one. We're going to talk about the idea of potentially trading at a surplus position. We're going to get into your voicemails. Uh, just wanted to mention that the shirts of rocking the Sauce Gardener shirt has been a popular seller down in the shop. So link to that is in the description below. And also, if you haven't seen, Jets Lounge is doing a, an event at the main event, which is in farmingdale here on long island where they are hosting a jeremy ruckert signing i will be in attendance so if you are interested in that make sure to check it out the guys over at jets lounge are taking care of that like i said i will be there uh i'll put the flyer on the screen right now so you guys could see the details but check it out tickets are on sale tickets are limited obviously so uh get them while you can Obviously, today we are also talking about our sponsors over at Manscaped Summer is Coming. Or it's here now at this point. It's after June 21st. The sun is shining. Shirts are off and your balls are smooth. You heard that right. Your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure your beach balls are as smooth as Floridian sand. In summer, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe with your pubes peeking out of your swim trunks. Come on now. That's why Manscaped has their performance package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with my code JETS20, that jets S two zero for 20% off and free shipping. You can get yourself something nice over at manscaped.com. So let's get into today's episode uh, where we're going to start with the monologue. We're going to get into your voicemails. We have a, a decent amount to get into today. Um... The Jets look like they're projected to be overloaded on the defensive line, specifically at the edge position is where I wanted to focus today. But overall, the Jets have a ton of guys and there are players who are more than likely going to get cut that are pretty good players. So I believe it was Connor Hughes suggested flipping someone for a mid-round pick. And I think the guy who could probably value or get you the most value back in a position where you'd want to trade. Like, obviously, John Franklin Myers are not trading. Quinn Williams you are not trading. Uh, Carl Lawson, you're not trading. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, who you just drafted, you're not trading. But uh, when looking at specifically the edge, you have Lawson, Johnson, Huff, Martin, Clemens, Anai, Curry, Zuniga. is a cut candidate. I don't think you're getting anything from him. Curry is a gigantic question mark because he missed last year. Um, Anai, I don't know if you're getting anything. Clevids? You just took, so you're not going to look to trade him. Martin, maybe you can get something for Martin. But I think Bryce Huff is the one who could probably get you the most amount of value back. But my thing with him, I'm not so quick to be looking to trade Bryce Huff. So I know like, the title of this episode is Will the Jets Look to Trade Bryce Huff? Uh, And while I understand the point of view that these people are coming with and saying, like, hey, you have an overload on this position, would you trade someone? And like, uh, Huff has just been really solid. One of the best undrafted free agent finds that we've seen from Joe Douglas so far. He was top 10 in pass rush win rate before his injury last year. He was really effective, obviously got hurt, missed some time. Then when he came back, I don't think he was really ever really the same, but. With the amount of injuries that the Jets have dealt with over the last few years, I, again, I don't know why you'd be so quick to be like, oh, yay, we finally have some depth at a position. Let's hurt that depth and get more future assets. I'm At this point, I'm kind of tired of the future assets game. I really am. I, like, I'm, am I going to get myself excited if you flip Bryce up for a fifth-round pick? At this point in the rebuilding process, I don't care about that fifth round pick and maybe that's naive maybe that's silly for me uh, maybe I'm being a little too stubborn but I want I want some good players on this team because the storyline that I've been trying to push or the narrative I guess that I've been trying to push is that it's time for the Jets to start winning football games now at this point we know the drill they have six wins in the last two years I don't want to kick the can down the line and be like, oh, well, you flipped the guy who you maybe could have cut or maybe wasn't going to play that big of a role for a fourth or fifth round pick and, you know, you're going to draft somebody who who maybe, you know, can hit. But it's just, I'm so done with it at this point, man. Why can't you keep your good players? Why can't you keep your good finds? Bryce Huff, in this example, is 24 years old. I don't know, maybe you could say like, oh, well, maybe it wouldn't, maybe it'd be a Nye or a Martin or someone like that. I get it, but if you're looking for if like we're gonna really play the game here of the Jets are gonna try to trade someone on that defensive line or specifically with that edge group, the one that would probably is like semi realistic to trade and the one would that would have the best value is Huff. So obviously you have to give something to get something, and I I just I I wouldn't I wouldn't do it at this point. I wouldn't number one I wouldn't cut him, which. I mean, some people are thinking maybe Bryce Huff gets cut. I would not do that. But I also wouldn't trade him. I don't think it makes any sense. I'm so over, and I I sound like a broken record, but I really am so over the idea of trading guys for future assets. It's enough of the future assets. Joe Douglas came in in 2019, and that's when he really started to, you know, get those future assets. The Leonard Williams trade, Darnold, Jamal Adams, it's time, start winning games. It's ridiculous. I'm so over the idea of just kicking it down the line and be like, oh, well, it's gonna take you know, it's gonna be seven years before you're competitive in this AFC. Oh, uh, it's frustrating, man. It's really frustrating. But specifically, I don't. So to answer the question, I don't think the Jets will look to trade him. I think they like Bryce Huff a lot. Um, They're going to have to make some difficult decisions on that defensive line. That's for sure. Uh, But specifically when it comes to Bryce Huff, uh, I would be really surprised if they made a decision like that. I don't see it. I really don't see it with Bryce. He's too good. He's too good. He's too valuable to this team. You need depth, edge, rotational guys, and he is one of the better edge rotational guys that you could ask for. And again, with the injuries, like what Carl Lawson didn't play last year. So you're going to say, all right, Carl, you're coming off an injury, man. You you didn't play at all. You had an Achilles last year. Uh, and, and by the way, we're going to trade one of our better edge rushers uh, in the mix. Why? <laughs> I don't I don't get it. Uh, so that's going to be a no from me. So with that, let's get into these voicemails. We have a few to get into today. And uh, I'm excited to hear your guys' questions this week, as always. Ooh, first up, we got Buffalo Jet Fan. If you don't know who Buffalo Jet Fan is, you should be subscribed to his YouTube channel. He does phenomenal content. We collabed a little while ago. Going to have him on eventually to uh, get him over here. Uh, but he has an interesting scenario here. It's kind of an offense versus defense scenario. Let's hear it.
0: Matt O'Leary, what's going on, dude? What up? Calling from Buffalo. This is Kevin, the Buffalo Jet Fan. Got a question for you, brother. As the roster sits... Right now, looking into your crystal ball, if we're at the end of a close game next year, would you be more confident in the offense having to go and get a score or the defense having to get a stop? Mm. Look forward to your take. Stay grinding. All gas, no break.
1: Love it. Interesting question. Um and while I think the defense got better this offseason, obviously, and through the draft, I'm still taking the offense. I think the offense is significantly ahead of the defense right now in the rebuilding process, which is strange, man. We're not used to that as Jet fans. Usually it's the other way around, right? How many years, even when the Jets were good, like in 2009 and 2010, that was the most, if you asked me that question during that stretch. Of course, you're saying the defense to get a stop, which is, I guess, ironic because they weren't able to get off the field against Pittsburgh in the 2010 season AFC championship game. But I mean, right now I have more faith in the offensive coordinator than the defensive coordinator. And I think last year, I mean, we saw it last year. The offense was better than the defense. And I think the offense has more weapons and is further along. Uh, I think the defense has made strides, like I said, but uh, uh, the offense is significantly further along. Uh, so I want to go down the field and score. That's my answer to that question, but it's an interesting one, Buffalo Jet. Let me know in the comments what you guys think. Brandon in North Carolina. Ooh, okay. We're going to do another Jet fan story. I love these.
2: Hey, Maddie, How you doing? This is Brandon uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I-, I love all- hearing all the stories of how uh, you know, the, some of the listeners have become Jets fans, so I wanted to give my story. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, so my uncle is an alum for University of Pittsburgh. He graduated with Curtis Martin. Oh. Um, and they were friends. And I got to meet Curtis a few times. Um, and my household was a giant uh, household, which is funny. But um, I didn't really like, I like Curtis Martin, but I didn't really like New England. So I, you know, I just followed him while we all rooted for the Giants, right? But then once the trade happened for Curtis Martin to the Jets, I could root for them. And so I switched over to the Jets. Uh and I haven't looked back since. And I've been a Jet fan, you know, for, you know, almost thirty years now. So uh that's my story. Go Jets. Great stuff, sir. Keep it going, man. Have a good one. Bye bye.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you so much for calling in. I think that's a really interesting story. I like that. Um, and it makes sense too, right? Like obviously your your dad uh, graduated with uh, Curtis Martin. Our uncle, excuse me. I'm sorry. Your uncle. Um, I am similar in a sense, but okay. I was always going to be a Jet fan. Like my dad was a Jets fan, but I will say this. Curtis Martin is one of the biggest reasons why I am a Jets fan because uh, I was a kid, obviously, when he was on this team. I really the 2003 season is always one that uh, I look at as the first one where I like. I really understood what was going on. I was into it. I got it. Um, I watched football before that, but it wasn't like every week. You know, you're you're in front of the TV, start to finish, watch the whole jacket, like you know, all like that. Curtis Martin was a star on those early 2000s Jet teams. And in my second year of fandom, 2004, he had arguably his best season where he put up monster, monster numbers. He led the league in rushing. Uh, he was just phenomenal for the Jets that year. He was amazing. That 2004 season was one of the, the best offensive seasons that I've seen. It's that and Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker in 2015 are the most impressive offensive performances that I've seen in my Jets fandom. Um and well, like I said, I would have been a Jets fan either way. Curtis helped me fall in love with the game for sure. Uh, Wayne Corbett, too. Obviously, he was my dad's favorite player. Um, and you know, easy guy to root for. Chad, um, on the defensive side, I his. You can't see it on the screen, but up over here is a signed Sean Ellis jersey. Sean Ellis was one of my favorites. Um, he was. Again, he probably wasn't as, like, flashy as Johnny Abraham. Abraham was probably the better player, even though they were taken in the same draft class. And I think Sean Ellis was taken first, if I'm not mistaken. But he was just solid and steady for so long and a really, really good player. Um, I don't know. He was just one of my favorite guys. And Revis, obviously, later, David Harris, Nick Bangold, all that. But the easiest thing or the biggest thing, I think, that got me hooked was... I was watching Curtis Martin every single week. So I love it. Um, Thank you for the call. I appreciate these. I I think it's interesting to hear, you know, how everyone became uh, a fan because, you know, not everyone, again, not everyone's from around here um, and not everyone's like, oh, my dad was a fan or my uncle or whoever was a fan and passed it on to me. Uh, And also for, I've definitely talked about this on the show before, but for myself specifically, I grew up very, very close to Hofstra where the Jets practiced for a very, very long time, like 10 minutes away, maybe less than 10 minutes if there's no traffic. Uh, so growing up, I was able to, I was lucky enough to watch the Jets practice a lot. Like it wasn't like how it is now. Like now there's only a few practices that are open to the public. I feel like, and maybe it's just me misremembering because I was pretty young at the time, but I feel like we were going like 10 times the summer. go watch in training camp i specifically remember uh one of the biggest ones and obviously i was going like way before then too but i remember brett Favre's first practice as a jet that was open to the public we went to and it was packed packed and everyone's walking up and down following brett now I didn't do that. I, am, my, I went with my dad and my sister. We're all really big Jeff fans, me and my dad and my sister. And uh, we always had this one spot along the fence where we would stand. And we just kind of stood there because we were, I mean, we were excited about Brett, obviously, but you, there were people there just specifically for Brett. But we also loved watching all the other drills. Um, but I just remember, man, like the droves of people just walking along with Brett Favre uh, to follow him and watch him you know, practice. It was, it was cool. So that, uh, those are really the two biggest reasons behind mine, I think. Thank you, Brandon, for your story. We're going to go to Richard in Nevada. I've been saying this wrong, supposedly. Let's do it.
0: Hey there, Matt. It's Richard again from Nevada. Um, And by the way, I, I know this is kind of a little petty and a little weird, but I guess a lot of people here when I moved here from Nevada say that you're supposed to say Nevada, not Nevada. That's my bad. <laughs> I don't know why that is the case, but um, it's not like I was born and raised here, but I figured I'd throw that out there. Hey, look, uh, you know, to get some more to my point here, um, there's something that I really am concerned with with a lot of uh, Jets fans and, and the way that they do this in the way they say this. Um, <clears throat> a lot of Jets fans are down on Mims, and I get it. I understand. Mims didn't exactly have the greatest season ever. This last year. Okay, I understand. I'm not going to defend him. I'm not going to sit here and, and justify how bad Mims was, because he did make a lot of mistakes, and that was his gameplay. But, I also hear a lot of these same people a paragraph later, um, pretty much almost taking a breath after, saying, you know, so casually and so matter-of-factly that, oh yeah, we'll just, we'll just cut Corey Davis next year for, for the cat hit. And Someone can understand how this seems a little contradictory. Um, Look, uh, should we really be so up on cutting Corey Davis? Like, he's a beast. He speaks and lives and breathes Jets. I mean, the the best play last year that we ever had was that that go route that, that Zach Wilson's directing traffic telling him, no, 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 go, 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 60 yards. I don't know. Like, can can, can we at least address that Corey Davis is a beast and I don't know about cutting him, man.
1: He's good. Anyway,
0: go Jets, J-E-T-S-S, sorry, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Have a good
1: day. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, And you know what? Uh, So let me explain where, because I've said that, the maybe you cut Corey Davis, but that's only under... Like very very specific uh, circumstances, and it's circumstances that I'm not even necessarily projecting to happen. But I think if your best case scenario for Denzel Mims is he comes in this year and looks like good, like the player he was as a rookie, and he plays the full season, he's not hurt, and puts up you know numbers that we're not expecting. Then and only then at that point would I say, okay, you consider moving on from Corey Davis so, so you can save that money and allocate it somewhere else uh, if you want to. But in a more than likely situation, I think if Corey Davis plays to what we expect him to play, and I think he you know, will probably more than likely be the Jets' third receiver in terms of uh, like targets and yardage and stuff like that i i I like Corey davis i think uh i don't think he's as bad as what he was last year um i think unfortunately he was brought in when the jets didn't have a ton at the wide receiver position and fans kind of put this expectation on him um to be something that he wasn't which was a number one receiver which is kind of reminiscent of when uh Eric Decker came in 2014 uh, before Brandon Marshall came. And Decker, that first year, was kind of expected to be the number one. And he put up solid numbers, um, but he's not a number one. And, and, and same with Corey Davis. Like, those are both, you know, high end, you know, solid number two guys, but I don't think anyone would tell you that they're number one receivers. Um, it really just has to do with the production and cost. Um, I think he's going to be solid. And again, I'm not saying just cut him to cut him but if there's a scenario where Denzel Mims looks as good as what Corey Davis does this upcoming year then maybe that's a decision that you make I'm not putting a high likely percentage on it and I do get where you're coming from it is a little hypocritical when you see the people who are like oh I'm all the way out on Denzel Mims and then it's okay well we're definitely moving on from Corey Davis at the end of the year I don't know if that's the case Um, so I do agree with you in that regard Let's do John in Tennessee. Okay, we got a couple things from him. We're gonna do best case scenario, and then a over under, a couple under over unders.
3: Hey Matt, John, Tennessee. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for the content as always. Uh, so I saw this uh, kind of best possible projections for every team uh, article out in uh, an international article, and it was kind of an interesting thing where. It uh, had The Jets best case scenario Being we have a Offensive rookie of the year candidate In Brees Hall We have a MVP Candidate in Zach Wilson And we have A top 10 defense As far as best case scenario For the Jets Now obviously that would be a dream come true On basically every front And uh I do think that that would mean we must be a playoff team at that point. But I'm curious at what you would have our record if those three things were holding true. Again, not meaning that we have Zach Wilson winning MVP, but he's in the conversation. And same with Brees for Rookie of the Year. Uh, Personally, I would say that at that point, the only games I still see as losses would be the Broncos games. Because on the road at the Broncos with their improvements, that's That's just... A tough game uh, I would have one of the two Buffalo Games still as a loss and I would have I think the Bengals game cause I think they're going to be a lot more prepared for us Based off of what happened last time uh, Still as a loss Obviously there could be one or two More in there we could also maybe turn One of those around but those would be the three that I'd be like still definitely a loss Any past that I think We could win uh, So just curious where you'd have us at If that article were to be even somewhat true. Uh other question would be with uh a higher or lower basically of projections for our offense. So for our running backs receiving, our whole running back room, would you have us higher or lower than 600 yards receiving for our uh-huh. running backs? For our tight ends, would you have higher or lower than 1,200 for our whole running back room? Under. And for our wide receivers, 2,500 for our whole room. Uh, Obviously, if you were higher on all, then that's putting us over 4,000 yards for everything. But just curious where you would think that we might get our uh, offense around on all those. And thanks for the answers. And as always, go Jets. Thanks, Matt.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna do the over. Uh, my explanation for the over unders quick, and then g- go into uh, the first part of this question. The running backs, I think, will very much so be utilized in the passing attack. I think the over there is um, a pretty easy feel for me at that point. Wide receivers, I feel the same way, just because there's so many. I think they're gonna spread the ball around a lot. Tight ends, I love the three additions they made at the tight end position. Um, I'm going to say under. I think you're looking at more something closer to like 800 or 900 receiving yards there. Um, and maybe it's more, but this is something that I, I've said on, online. I don't know if I've ever said it on this show before, uh, but I've definitely mentioned it on Twitter. Like I, I'm in the process right now of trying to do my projections for the upcoming season. Um, and it's very, very difficult. I'm having a hard time doing it because of how many weapons the Jets have like, where are they going to spread? They're going to spread the ball around a lot. So where is the ball going to end up going to? So I've been having trouble with that. Because on paper, it's so easy to say, like, oh, yeah, like, Conklin could put up, like, 600 receiving yards. And same thing with Uzama. So that's 1,200 right there. And you could get 1,000 out of Elijah Moore. And you get 900 out of uh, Garrett Wilson. And then you can get uh, 800 out of Corey D- And then it adds up. And you're like, oh, my God, I have Zach Wilson thrown for 5,400 yards. Like, that, that's... I would love for that to happen, and we'll get into that in the first part of this question here from John, but um, I I don't think that's reasonable or fair for projections or or guessing, Um, so I'm having a hard time with that, but so that's the reason why I'm going to go under with the tight ends and over on the other two. For the first part of this, uh, if they have, if Zach Wilson's an MVP candidate, which is just that's flat out insane. And then you have uh, the potential of a rookie of the year candidate in Brees Hall. And did you mention, and a top 10 defense, too? I mean, that that's a recipe to win 12 games. Like, those are a top 10 defense and an MVP candidate at the quarterback position. That's enough to be a Super Bowl contender. And again, I don't think that's, and I don't think John's saying that this is um, a fair expectation, but. If that happens, then watch out because that's exactly how you want to build a team. Uh, You want your quarterback to be an MVP candidate. You want the playmakers to be better because of the quarterback, not the other way around. You don't want the quarterback to be better because of the playmakers. Um, And if you have a top defense, then you have a chance to win. Uh, Let's do Jake and Jersey. Here's an interesting one kind of going off uh, similar with the projections that we just talked about. But uh, this is going to be more of the college projections.
0: Hey, Matt, what's going on? It's Jake from Jersey. So I'm driving home right now. I would have done the numbers myself, but I'm driving. But um, anyway, I'm listening to your video right now on the Zach Olson's number game. Um, just curious, if you took his last season in college and stretched that out over a 17-game season, how would those numbers look? I know it's probably pretty nuts. I think he has, like, 33 touchdowns and, like, only a few picks. But uh, anyway, yeah, if you could maybe
2: do those numbers and put them on the show, it would be cool to see what those would be. Thanks,
0: man. Love the
2: show. Have a
1: good one. Yeah, okay, so speaking of big-time numbers, this would be – if this doesn't win the MVP, um, I don't know what would. But his final year at BYU, he had a 73.5 completion percentage, 33 touchdowns, 3 picks, 3,692 yards in 12 games. That same pace over 17 games is 5,230 yards, 47, 47 touchdowns and four interceptions. <laughs> that, that is an unbelievable season. I don't think we're going to see that from Zach Wilson this year. Um, I don't think that's fair to expect that, but I would love to see a quarterback season like that. Uh, my brain can't even compute something like that happening. Let's do Drew in North Carolina. He's got regression candidates that he wants to get into. Okay, let's do it.
0: Hey, Matt, this is Drew from Charlotte, North Carolina. My question for you is who are your top three regression candidates for the New York Jets? It doesn't have to be in any order, just who are the three players who are most likely to regress this season? Obviously, hmm. I hope we're wrong about this and no one regresses, but with the New York Jets, so that's not going to happen. And honestly, how much do you think it will impact the overall progression of the team? Say if it's Ashton Davis, for example, maybe it doesn't hurt us that bad. But if it's like Makai Bakhtin, it could just kill us. So uh, thanks, Matt. And as always, go Jets.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's a good point to hear from Drew is like, depending on who it is, it's going to be interesting to see how bad it would actually hurt. Um, I don't think like I wouldn't have Makai as a regression candidate because he didn't play last year or like Carl Lawson. I'm not going to put in that as a regression because we didn't see him last year. Uh, and I'm going to try to do guys who like either had a, a big role last year or will have a, a, a little bit of a role this year. Um, so the three guys that I came up with um, and again, I, like I'm not, obviously I'm not rooting for these, but I like just trying to think of like, okay, who can maybe take a step back. My first one was George Fant. Um, and it's because I think he played at such a high level last year at left tackle. And it feels like an outlier season, or it could be built up as an outlier season. I don't I don't think it is. I think he's going to be fine. But I could see him taking a little bit of a step back because just of how good he was, especially in pass protection there. Um, maybe he would be one. CJ Mosley is another one that I have just because like age is going to start to play a factor. He's 30 now. Um, so maybe he starts to slow down a little bit more. Uh, He was a tackle machine last year. I don't think he was great. He was okay. Um, Like Obviously, the PFF numbers weren't good. You had other people who were like, oh my God, he should be a pro bowler. I'm somewhere in between. I think he was okay to find last year, Uh, but maybe he's someone who could take a step back. And then the other one I have... Just because Brees Hall's here, I think Michael Carter is because he's not going to be utilized as much. So I don't see him rushing for 600 yards uh, or having the touchdown numbers that he did last year. I think he'll be involved in the offense, but uh, those are my regression candidates. Um, This was a tough one. Um, They were more like coming to mind on progression candidates than regression. Like, uh, for instance, Quinan Williams, I think, was a progression candidate when I was going through. who else was was good uh, progression. Zach was a progression. Elijah Moore was a progression. Um, And I think with those guys, like if all three of those guys do regression regress a little bit, I still like, that doesn't change my projection for where I have the jets this year. I think seven, eight, nine wins is probably the window that I'm looking at with eight and nine being the record that uh, I'm settling on. But um, yeah, those were just three guys that came to mind who could potentially regress. Again, I'm not, betting on that to happen. But if you had to pick three guys, those are three that came to mind who I thought, okay, maybe those are realistic options to regress. And speaking of regression, the final question's from Alex, and he's going to get into what happens if the Jets underachieve. Hey Matt, it's Alex. Uh, Jets fan up here in upstate New York. So in the middle of Bill's
4: country. So lately it's been a pretty tough go for me, Uh, but I really love the show. And it's funny because the other—I uh, think it was two weeks ago—I was listening to uh, like your traumatic experiences with Jets games and like oh, the most yeah. traumatic game uh, being that 2004 Steelers Jets playoff game and those two missed uh, those two missed missed field goals and I honestly was like I had traumatizing flashbacks like while you were saying <laughs> that and yeah. that definitely sticks out in my mind uh, is the worst moment for me as a Jets fan too like, right when I was, like, 7 or
1: 8 years old. It was
4: tough. Um, and I'm right with you, like, in terms of the record. Um, I think I had them at 7 and 10, uh, but then with this Watson uh, situation, now I have them at about 8 and 9. I think if they can pull out that Browns game without Watson. Uh, but question, um, obviously, a lot has to play out um, between, like, situations and record-wise, if they have, like, a similar uh, season like wins and losses. Uh, I mean, how how like what would you want? Would you want a change a coaching staff, GM? Both, obviously being like the the most injured team in the NFL doesn't help. And I know that that kind of can play into the situation as well. Uh, but would you like to you know move on from Zach or coach or? GM, obviously, I know it's a pretty broad question, but if they do have a similar season, I do think that things need to change because, um, you said it best yourself, we're tired of the excuses. Now everything's in place. So we have to win. Um, we have to take advantage of the draft capital that we have and, you know, the free agency, um, that we just had as well. So that's my question. Um, you know, what has to happen for things to change in your opinion? Mm. Um, again, go Jets. Have a good one, man.
1: Yeah. That's a, a tough one that I don't necessarily want to think about. Um, and I'm going to give a really bad answer here and say it depends. Because it's like, what what goes into them having a four? Let's say they, it's like a repeat four and 13 season. What went into it? Was it injuries? Was it quarterback play? Was it the defense completely falling apart? Like, what was the cause behind it? Um, I don't know if I'm pulling the plug. But like seat would be red hot on everybody going into 2023 at that point. I don't think it's likely that the jets are going to have another four win season. Uh, But if they do, you have to seriously look at what was the cause of it. Was it quarterback play? If the jets are picking in the top five and Zach Wilson stunk again in, you know, and the offense stayed relatively healthy. Do you consider taking a quarterback? It, there's so many variables that come into play here that it's hard to give a definite answer because until you see it play out and see what the cause was of them losing those numbers of games or, or only winning, you know, four games, it, it's very, like I said, it's very tough to give an answer at that point, but I, I just, I hope that's not the case because I'm so tired of the losing. That was the, the main topic at the beginning, right? I'm tired of kicking the can down the road of this rebuild. I want to start winning games. So almost come full circle here. That's awesome. Wherever you listen to the show, please make sure to subscribe, give a like on YouTube, leave a rating or or review really helps a lot. Appreciate all the love and support. Once again, I am Matt O'Leary. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 123 of Just Jets. I'll talk to you next time.